0: Welcome to the Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Probably
1: the
2: most entertaining marketing podcast you're gonna put in your ears. I'm Jared Walls, Associate Producer and Stirista's Creative Copy Manager. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders to get their take on the current challenges of the market, but also have a little fun along the way. In this episode, Vincent and AJ talked to Heidi Serenzia, Vice President of Demand Generation at Reich. She discusses how Demand Generation has evolved over the years, as well as the challenges of working from home while being an extrovert. She and Vincent also bond over fruit de Mar. AJ plans on doing some wine tasting, and Vincent reminds us that he's an Italian in New York. Give it a listen.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again. This is the last episode of the year of 2020 that we're recording. You're gonna probably see this later because we have so many great episodes and content that we have been putting out. It's because of you, the listeners, and also our guests. It is so great to be here. I, of course, am Vincent Petrofessa, the Vice President of B2B Products here at Starista. And this is the marketing stir. First, Starista, who are we? Identity Marketing Company. We have our own B2B data, our own B2C data companies. Utilize our data, marketing purposes, new customers. Take in your data if it's fragmented. If your data is garbage, we will make it not garbage. How's that? We also have our own DSP called Adster, OTT, Connected TV, ABM. We do it all. I'm just going to throw more acronyms at you. Most likely we do it. My email address is atsterista.com. Happy to be here. Even happier than me. Impossible but he's happy. Ladies and gentlemen, my co-host, my commander-in-chief, ladies and gentlemen, the CEO and founder of Starista, Mr. A.J. Gupta. What's up, A.J.?
0: Vincent, what what a year it's been. We're coming to an end here, but you know what's remarkable is we've only had one guest that stood us up all year, and that was purely an accident. So when we started doing it. I was expecting half the people not to show up, but that's my biggest fear is having an event and nobody shows up. But speaking of events, great job, my friend, at hosting our own. That was uh, an extraordinary performance.
1: Oh, thank you for those listening. uh, We did a summit. We did an actual, we did a summit this year where we had past guests of our podcast. We had the CEO of Axiom. We had customers we had employees i told some jokes in the beginning we also had a stand-up comedian and jessica our own jared told some jokes as well we had mick foley from the wwe it was a great event so yes we did have people show up it was a great event it's been a great end of the year i've been excited i've been excited holiday plans for you aj let the people know
0: you know what you uh, you talked about my Airbnb trip so much. I decided to just stay at home. So wow! I have to talk about it on the podcast anymore.
1: Well, you <laughs> took enough. Your stock prices, I'm sure, and Airbnb have gone up, so you're good to go. You don't need it anymore.
0: Yeah, now we're gonna stay back. Uh, I've been meaning to clean my garage for last couple of years. I think I'll get to that. Go to Fredericksburg for some wine tasting. But yeah, still. Uh, Going to be near San Antonio, uh, keeping COVID safe.
1: Nice. I am going to be in New York City here for Christmas Eve, which is really big for me as an Italian-American. The Feast of the Seven Fishes, that's a whole other podcast. Maybe this next guest, she may know about that, but we'll see. We'll get to that in a moment. She is Italian like me, Mm -hmm. I I believe the last name, right? We, I, She is. We bonded over that already. Anyway, but also, yeah, I'm going to stick around that. We're going to see my in-laws, Jeff and Diane in
0: Pennsylvania. Oh, am I excited. Are, are you fortunate to have such great in-laws?
1: Oh, yeah, they are. But it doesn't mean that they don't annoy me sometimes. But it's been great. Everything's done. The holiday cards. I want to give a quick shout out to a company, if I will, an app. This is not a sponsor. We don't have sponsors. But a great way to tell, look up contacts now these days. A lot of people either business contacts, AJ, or personal contacts in your phone to find their address, contacts 411. It's an app. I was like, what's the home address of this one person I wanted to send something to? If you have them in your phone, they have to be a contact already, contacts 411. Just wanted to give them a shout out. They haven't been on the podcast. Maybe they will be. Who knows? But I want to give a shout out. Credit where credit is due. Enough about that. Enough about me. Who cares about me? You hear me all year. I am very excited to have this next guest. We already bonded. We're pals. Ladies and gentlemen, I would love to welcome to our final podcast of 2020 recording, ladies and gentlemen, the Vice President of Demand Generation at Reich, Heidi Sorenzia. What's going on, Heidi?
2: Hello, Vincent. Thanks for having me.
1: It's so great to have you and we bonded. So we actually had a conversation. This was via phone where I was at a bar in 2020. <laughs> I know. What are you doing at a bar? You crazy guy. I was at a bar waiting for another podcast guest mm-hmm. from the, the podcast, uh, Kingpin uh, Communications. And I was talking to Heidi face to face via the phone, of course. And she was like, you, where are you at a bar? You have music on. I love that music. It was like 90s music. It was yeah. like it was
2: sublime like, or something. Sublime.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the American Pie soundtrack was on yeah. <laughs> and Heidi and I were just like rocking out while we're having an awesome conversation. The first thing that stood out to me is the background of her awesome artwork uh, You know that she has in the background there of uh, her cool apartment. That was the one thing I, you, you'll be able to see it if you're watching us on YouTube. But Heidi, it's so nice. We had a great conversation there. And I'm so glad you agreed to do the podcast. Thank you. But I want to talk about let's get right into it. Right. But wait,
2: are we going to talk about fruit de mare? Because I have everything ready to make it. Yes.
1: Do you know how I love fruit de mare? My wife did not like I made that. AJ was like, what is happening right now? And <laughs> no, also, are, are you in California? I am. There's like also like a chipino which is like I'm that. I'm doing now. that as
2: well. Yeah. yeah. Cioppino de mare, yeah. We do it all fruity the white. Pasta. Yeah. Although, I am mean, actually, this is the first holiday in my entire life, and I won't share the number of years, that I actually will not be with my family because of the
0: yeah. exciting
2: things going on in the world. So I am actually cooking it for the first time by myself mm-hmm. and I'm gonna zoom in with my family and we're gonna to eat together and make the best of it.
1: That's awesome. So you yeah. did the the seven fishes as well. I'm,
2: doing, uh, I'm yes. doing it, yeah.
1: Italian, AJ, I knew it. I said, I knew cool. there was something extra. You know, that I liked about this guest. So yeah, the the Italians, AJ, we do the Feast of the Seven Fishes, right? So I grew up, I had like baccala, which is Mm -hmm. like salted codfish. I still do that. We used to have like eel. I don't do that anymore. I don't even know how we got those eel. I'm like, what happened? (laughs) But yeah, we do that. And we, my wife and I are going to do it. We have two small children and they're not, I can't, I can barely get them to eat like a, a
2: piece sticks. of meat,
1: fish stick, <laughs> let alone, yeah, bakala. But uh, I'll have to have the Guptas over uh, one day for, for Christmas Eve. When, it's, when great, you it's a great
2: experience you know? for sure.
1: It is. It's great experience. So yeah, I love that you're doing that. Thank you again for joining us. Tell the good people listening to the marketing stir about Reich.
2: Absolutely. So um, I'm going on just about my one year mark at Reich, um, And I head up um, you know, demand generation as Vincent mentioned. And Rike is a collaborative work management um, tool. And so if you think about the you know, 10,000 spreadsheets or Google, or Google sheets that you have that you're trying to coordinate projects. And if you need a mechanism in which you have workflows, you can assign tasks um, Rike is that tool for you, and you know one of the things that I've really enjoyed about it. And being a marketer, um, you know, I have this is one of the first times in my career, and you know, I have a few years behind me here, um, that I've actually I actively use my own product every single day. You know, when I say actively, when I was in cybersecurity, it was in the background, and I kind of didn't know it was there, right? But uh, with Rike, it allows um, myself and my team. To really collaborate, you can you know cross functionally, so you can assign tasks to different groups. Um, and what it allows you to do is um, it keeps you really on track, right? If you think about, and, and it, it you know I like to state things kind of very practically. So collaborative work management, it's it's literally that simple. So I want to collaborate with my work, and I need to manage those uh, projects. And so um, Rike is is the mechanism which we can do that, and it's it's really helped me, um, you know, onboard a team uh, that I actually, I haven't met more than half of my team because I've actually hired them during COVID. Um, And so it's enabled us to, excuse me, to actually have projects and not feel this chaos and like, you know, which spreadsheet was that? And, you know, how do I do a control F and, you know, or a search to really identify, you know, how to keep myself or my team on track. So it's, it's actually, you know, it's been, it's been a great company to, to be with and a product that, again, I use on a daily basis.
1: That's awesome, Heidi. And and for those, I mean, I think we've had maybe one or two other guests on with Demand Generation. I, I'm very mm-hmm. familiar with it because I'm in the B2B space. But sure. walk me through your, your responsibilities there as far as the vice president of Demand Generation for Reich. what you're doing, mm-hmm. uh, kind of what your team is, is, is made up of, some of the hiring that you've done.
2: Sure. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting how demand generation has evolved, people call it growth, you know, it's kind of like soup de jour, right? Or let's, to you, sir, your earlier point, let's figure out another acronym, right? Um, so my team, uh, so demand generation, holistically, um, I won't necessarily talk about it holistically, I'll talk about it more within my, my current team. Um, so we, mean you know, if I can categorize it, you know, we have um, integrated campaigns where we're really, you know, promoting a, a specific offer to generally our existing database um, where we really want to nurture them and educate them on who Reich is. Um, I have, um, which was supposed to be field marketing, um, but as we all know, except for you in a bar once in the last nine months, um, you know, it's now, you know, um, uh, sponsored events um, and virtual summits, which you know, it, it, I think the challenge that we first had was, um, you know, I joined in February and so did the woman who runs, was running field marketing and within a month, our entire structure changed and our entire plans changed. Um, and, you know, we had a choice, right? It's, we can, you know, really be strategic and make the best of it and do a bunch of quick testing or we can kind of be disappointed that we can't be in person. So we, we chose the former. Um, so we I have a sponsored events and eventually field marketing. Um, I also have um, ABM, which you also mentioned earlier. And we designate that out from the campaign team because um, we work you know, very much in alignment with sales on everything we do. Um, but we um, really identify these enterprise organizations that um, really could use um, the benefit of Reich in. Or, and, or if we have customers who um, already have Wrike in a particular department, we'll go in there and ensure that we can socialize Wrike within other departments within these orgs. Um, I also have um, customer marketing. So that team is really busy doing case studies, reviews. Um, we do customer references. Um, we also have our own um, user group that we put on um, that we're gonna be spearheading this uh, going into 2021. Uh, and then I also have newly formed, which uh, I have a excuse me, partner marketing, I don't want to forget partners, uh, which is really a critical for us. Um, and we have some, you know, some big partners, which I'll, you know, not name all of them, but, um, and that, that ecosystem is really important because any of that third party um, interaction and validation as we're going out into the market, I think is really critical from customers and partners. And then I um, also have um, marketing development representatives, or if you're familiar with MDRs or SDRs fall into sales. So we have SDRs that report into sales, and then we have MDRs on my team. It's actually a new group that within Reich. Um And so their number one responsibility is to qualify the demand generation leads that my team is generating and um, you know, and in scheduling meetings for sales, that's their number one priorities to qualify. So, sorry, I know that's a lot, but, um, that's the makeup of my team. And, and I've actually just in the last two weeks, um, also adopted the international versions of a lot of what I just mentioned, but I don't, don't have to get that tactical. So, um, but you know, what we've seen really is, you know, that, um, as, as the marketplace and as, um, digital and as ABM and all these other, channels are evolving um you can't stay stagnant right you have to constantly test and that's what my team you know we do you know on a you know weekly you know monthly basis
0: i do demand generation is hard and i've uh, tried it myself unsuccessfully (laughs) so kudos to you (laughs) thank you (laughs) ij i appreciate that (laughs) Uh, how did you get into marketing in the first place
2: oh goodness Um, Well, you can't see, there is a little gray here, but you can't really see it on video. Um, I have a lot of product. Um, So, you know, I actually started my career, um, I won't reveal years, but um, actually in publishing on the advertising side. And, you know, I just started having, you know, mentors um, within, um, you know, within my career and then had an opportunity to work for. Um, a company where I really started in truly doing marketing. And, you know, it was it, it, back at that time, it was just, you know, getting an email was when you're like, you know, remember when it like the circle was happening, you were actually anticipating the email and excited that you were getting it. Um, that was how long ago this was. Um, and so now as I, you know, get, you know, more and more uh, into the demand generation marketing side of things. um, really sorry i just want to go back to your question so it was really um you know kind of as my interest was really more around you know um engaging with excuse me customers partners um sales what i learned just not marketing specifically but demand generation or actually field marketing i was in for several years as well i actually enjoyed that um that interaction with sales and I found that demand generation, field marketing, those um, types of marketing were uh, a way in which I could do that. And so um, I'm very data driven and very metrics driven. And so you know, being in this type of role um, really um, lends itself to that.
0: Yeah, I can I can say we have had a couple of marketers on this podcast that did not like their sales counterparts. So.
2: I didn't say I always liked them. Just to be clear, <laughs> I do now. I really do now. I'm very yeah, grateful.
0: They've grown them. on you. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, I do now, and I. Uh, but you know, it's. But I think that's just like anything, right? Um, it's not even just about sales and marketing, but it's just about humans, right? Right. Right.
0: And Heidi, how, how do you kind of uh, deal with the uh, pandemic? Obviously, the events were gone, but where have you found? success, uh, especially having been new at the company when the whole thing went down?
2: Sure. Yeah. So, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I was five weeks in and they said, "Uh oh, (laughs) you know, not only did I, you know, was I just getting to know my coworkers? Because I was there Mm -hmm. for like a hot second. um, But then I also, um, you know, had a team that I was building and inheriting. And, you know, it was, I was brand new and it, it was just like, okay, you're gonna take what you would normally do and it's you know definitely not a not a one size fits all. So, you know, what there's a couple of things. Um, I'll talk about excuse me, the business part of it and I'll talk about the human part of it, which I know that they they're one in, in the same in, in a lot of regard, but if I look at it just from like business. What do we need to accomplish? Well, at the end of the day, it's about you know pipeline and revenue, right in demand Gen. And how do we get there with a completely changed plan that we had going into the quarter, right or into the, the first half of the year? So uh, what we did was, as I mentioned earlier, we, we just started doing a bunch of testing, um, and we were we were very we weren't very tentative about it. We said, let's just go all in. And, you know, not break the bank, obviously, but let's go all in. And n- not knowing, you know, in March and April, right? We didn't know that we would all still be home right. today in December, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> and so we, I really did my, uh, my best effort to, you know, one, get to know my, I would have t- remote uh, team members regardless, just to be clear, um, but not, but myself being remote 100% of the time, because I've always managed people remotely, but myself being one hundred percent remote is all was also like okay this is not something that I'm used to as you could probably see I'm an extreme extrovert and I love that interaction and I love the in person and and so um, but I also recognize that there are people on my team who are also extroverts so now it gets into that human component AJ which is that I I recognize that you know at the end of the day we all have responsibilities and accountability within our our particular, you know, jobs, right? Um, And we now have, you know, you have, I have team members who I manage directly, or I have someone who manages them, and they are, you know, a teacher, (laughs) a mom, a spouse, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, now you're competing with bandwidth. And so, you know, you have to just take pause and say, yes, at the end of the day, we have responsibilities to the business at the end of the day. That's why we're all here. And, you know, we actually did a leadership um, uh, training last week. And there's a woman that said, you know, human first, marketer second. And it really resonated with me because there's a certain level of empathy and understanding in which you have to have right now. I mean, you should have anyway, right? (laughs) At the end of the day, we should have that anyway. Um, Let's not use the pandemic. Hopefully the pandemic is teaching us that and and reinforcing that and enforcing that. But at the end of the day, we should be that way anyway. So it is that level of empathy and that level of understanding when a team member said, Heidi, sorry, I had to miss a meeting because I was a second grade teacher for that 30 minutes and I didn't have a a chance. Or my daughter was taking her final on zoom. And I, you know, all those scenarios, which I'm sure anyone listening or even anyone, you know, you know, Vince and AJ, I'm sure that you've experienced the same. Right. So, um, and then I think the other side of it is just try to make some things a little bit more fun. Um, So every Friday I have a coffee talk with the team. It's 30 minutes. People have their kids, their dogs, people take walks. And it's just to like say, Hey, hope you guys had a great week. I know we can't do a lot of things right now, but I hope you have a great weekend. And the one rule is we can't talk about work. And I think that's important because we need that level of like what we would normally take a walk and go for coffee or, you know, but we can't do that right now. So I think that, um, you know, looking at it, like not losing sight of the business and our responsibilities and not forgetting that we are humans with feelings and, you know, we need to ensure that we're really, um, you know, uh, aware of both of those things.
1: I, I like, I like that idea of kind of keeping it to non-work related and just kind of having a conversation because I, I, as you can probably tell, I'm very much an extrovert as well. We have a lot in common We're we're Italian, we're extroverts. I too have a lot of product in my hair, Heidi. So <laughs> we are, uh, we're a lot in common there, but I would love to know you're in is the headquarters in California there as well Uh, would you normally be around some of your teammates that you uh recently hired and I have another question to that yeah
2: excuse me sorry yes I would um so uh my um yeah my office in uh, downtown San Jose is our U.S. headquarters and um I would you know I'm only 20 minutes from there so I would I would normally be in the office every day
1: yeah and then this is uh a part of that question that I have another one but so was it always the plan when you joined back in February to build out a team or is that also a result of more companies or more people consuming your product and having to grow?
2: So I'm going to answer that two ways. The first is, um, I, the expectation was that I would, you know, I had a few open head count, that I would be, you know, filling those. Um, but just by nature of how, um, you know, the right has been going over the last several months um, and going into 2021. um, I had significantly more um, ads to my team than I had um, expected, which is actually, as you probably, I think alluded to is a very positive thing.
1: And my other question, because you had a lot of roles involving demand generation. Yes. What was it? What was it like being in demand generation? Before was kind of like cool. I would love to know <laughs> that. Like demand generation is one of those yeah. like big data ABM. It was. Yeah. Uh, but you've been doing it for uh, you know the past two or three roles. I'd love to understand about that.
2: Yeah, you know, I'm definitely not a trendsetter. So let's start there. Um, you know, I think that if you think about marketing holistically. Before demand gen was really um, taken seriously, I think we could say, I think that what people recognized, and I certainly have high regard for my marketing counterparts in you know in corporate marketing, product marketing, and you know as a marketer myself, demand gen is also reliant on those other functions, right? Um, from content to digital, et cetera. Um, and so, what what I experienced was you know, most of the marketers were really focused on like brand and messaging and, you know, how do we, you know, what do we call ourselves and that sort of thing, right? And it really wasn't until there was an awareness that, you know, a lot of the activities in which, um, you know, we mark uh, what was not known to be demand gen yet, we're like going to events, right? And how how can we get people interested in our solution. And what I discovered at that time was it was a great entry point into the conversations, but we need to be much more laser targeted. And I've had this analogy recently, which is like, you know, demand gen to me is, you know, very much like a, you know, a a flight pattern or flight path, which is we, if you get on an outbound plane, if you think about outbound demand generation, you choose your destination. Where do we want to go? And I'm going there for a reason. And why am I going to that thing? Why am I going to that destination? Is because I want to reach someone there. And so it's actually been fun to be a part of demand gen. Vincent, I want to go back to your original question. It's been fun because you know, I've seen so much change and I've seen it evolve um, <clears throat> way beyond what I certainly expected it to, Um, and now I can look back to see, and it's so interesting because I think it's like a lot of things in life, things are coming full circle, right? Because if you think about like direct mail, it was like the thing, like call it 10 years ago, or maybe even longer. And People are like, okay, that's creepy. You know, you're just sending something to someone and expecting them to do something. I'm like, well, sometimes you don't expect them to do something when you send them something. Um, but one of the things that we've adopted, um, and AJ, this is actually I think something you asked a, a few minutes ago. We've actually adopted some like charitable donations and some other things like that for our prospects or customers because either they can't accept gifts or they just want to be charitable. So it's it's nice to give. Um, them options but yeah it's been fun it's been really fun Um, I've enjoyed the change and you know it's interesting too now there's so much to keep up with and there's you know and we're going to keep going back to the acronyms right there's so many acronyms that get thrown in there and it's like the latest and greatest and now we have to do this thing Um, but yeah I'm sorry I hope I'm not getting too long-winded here I just definitely um, you know and I, you know, the other thing I think is really critical, and I alluded to this earlier, like data and metrics are critical. And um, I think, you know, I, I can speak for myself and my team, right? I can't speak for others, that that is a number one uh, priority for us. Because at the end of the day, if you can't, you know, measure back what you're doing, I have the philosophy, if I can't track it, I'm not doing it. Um, because, you know, one, you need need to see results, and two, you need to justify the spend, or they're like, you know, hey, <laughs> this didn't result in anything, you know, so let's let's not do that again.
0: And Heidi, being data guys here at Starista, we'd love to dig a little bit deeper on that, you know, what are some of the metrics that you're monitoring on a day-to-day or month-to-month basis and what's some of the technology that you're using to store and uh, sort of process that data?
2: Sure. So um, (laughs) how much time do we have? (laughs) That's a loaded question. I I will try to be as abbreviated as possible. So um, if if I just think about a reverse funnel, AJ, it's really about, you know, what are our goals from a revenue standpoint and how many opportunities do we need to generate to get there? What's the average sell, uh, sales cycle and deal size? Um, for us, we have, you know, different department or different groups within sales. So you're going after different, um, you know, enterprises versus mid-market, et cetera. So, um, but ultimately, if, if I look at it kind of from the reverse funnel, that's really how we build our plans. Um, But I do look at, you know, measurements around and it actually depends on the channel too, right? So if you have digital, you know, if we're doing like LinkedIn paid posts as an example versus um, an an email campaign that has a direct mail component and um, it has, you know, ads associated with it, then you're looking at kind of this you know, this true integrated campaign and a webinar component. So the reason I'm sharing that is that the, the measurement for different channels, we actually look at differently, right? So you do obviously wanna look at responses, you you know, and at the end of the day, it's about conversions and then meetings for sales. I mean, that is that is the ultimate measurement, but as we all know on this, right, there's a lot in between that. And so, um, And then as far as a stack, we have, you know, Marketo, Salesforce, and Tableau are the main. We have our actually our our, our homegrown system that has been used for our inbound model, which has been phenomenal. Um, And so when I joined a little bit less than a year ago, we created this demand gen outbound model to ensure that we're, you know, properly tracking. So, um, but I think, you know, AJ, if I could just kind of consolidate it, it would have to be around, you know, you know conversions, of course, and, you know, conversion, meaning someone who's just more than a hand raiser. So we're, you know, obviously doing lead scoring and some of the, you know, practical things that you would do. Um, And we take that seriously, right? Because, um, you know, and we have to trust that data because that really drives our plans. Um, You know, we need to dial up and down to determine um, what's really working and, you know, where we're seeing the fastest conversions, the fastest um, you know, uh, sales state in, into the sales stages. And so we look at that end-to-end as, as demand gen, right? We're not just at the top of the funnel, fluffy, like look at all these leads I generated. It's really like where they come from, what do they do? <clears throat> excuse me, what was a conversion? And then look at velocity, right? How long did it actually take from an MQL to a sales stage and then, you know, ultimately revenue? So I'm looking at that end-to-end.
0: Well, thanks. That was a great abbreviated answer. <laughs> <laughs> What's been kind of a, personally for you, a shining moment in the last year or two? Mm.
2: Wow. Um, there The one thing that just first popped into my head when you asked that, AJ, is, um, so just to give you some context, um, as I mentioned, so I have upwards of 20 people on my team, and half of which I haven't met in person, and I've hired post-March, Um and, you know, without sounding overly uh, cheesy here, <laughs> I'm gonna, but I'm going to give you my honest answer. Um, there's two really specific things that pop into my head. The first is that my team actually, that we really care about one another. We care about each other's well-being. We care about each other's success. And um, as a leader, I believe it's my responsibility to, you know, exude that you know, and it, it all comes from the top. And I'm not saying I'm on the top. I'm just saying it, you know, kind of figuratively. And, um, and I think that as a leader or as leaders, it's our responsibility to set the tone and set the stage for how we want our teams to behave and how we want our teams to produce. So, um, you know, and just getting some very positive feedback from my team members um, around their enjoyment and excitement about being holistically on this team has been very rewarding. And then the second piece of that is, um, you know, it's really just, it's seeing progress. So I have a philosophy of like, everyone wants to jump to celebrate success, which I think is critical, right? We have to celebrate success because otherwise, why are we here? But I think you have to take pause and get, go one ahead of that and celebrate progress too, because, you know, it's, again, it's an evolution. And in order to you know, have success, you have to have progress first. And so I think we kind of lose sight of, of that. So it's not like a premature celebration of success. It's more around, wow, look at the strides that we've taken. Look at the tests that we've done as a team. Look at, at the, you know, again, fortunately with our product, look at the collaboration we've been able to do with Reich, to enable us to actually have that cohesiveness. And so it's been, it's been really an awesome, awesome year. And, and I, I know not many people have said that, um, probably, but it has been an awesome year, you know, just for me professionally and personally in my interactions with, you know, with my team. It's been, it's been very rewarding. Yeah,
1: you know, Heidi, what I, I love about you is I'm hearing, that, you know, I, your philosophies, right? Uh, there's different philosophies that you have on different aspects of work, yeah, I'd love to learn more about some of the philosophies that kind of guide you as a marketer. Hmm.
2: Um, so I would say that, you know, one, I hope this is gonna answer your question. If it, if I'm going too down down a path, just please. Uh, I'm getting too I don't, ph-
1: philosophical. Don't worry, keep
2: going. <laughs> I don't call it interrupt, I call it interlude. So yep. feel free to interlude along the way. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think that um, so as a marketer, again, you know, um, you know, I take very seriously um, the um, the results that we actually need to generate in the demand. Right. But philosophically, how do we do that? It's by um, it's understanding when to say no. It's understanding when to say, you know, well, we tested it, but it didn't work. Well how long, you know, do we have proper follow-up? Do we actually give it enough time to test? Because, you know, after two weeks and you claim defeat, that may not be the, 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 the best duration. Um, but I really, you know, I surround myself with people who I, you know, mentors, people who I, you know, very much uh, respect. And, you know, I, I educate myself on latest and greatest. I, you know, I try to, um, and, you know, I actually think also, um, if I think about just my team, it's always about the why. Like, why are we even doing this? And I think that people feel more empowered when they actually understand the outcome you're trying to achieve. And, you know, again, not to be cliche, but if there are two paths, right? Because I would go down path A, but my team member goes down path B, that doesn't mean that one is right and one is wrong it's there's two different paths and if one of them didn't work let's try the other one but you have to you have to empower and enable your team to be successful and and what i mean by that is you can have you can have success and failure as well meaning you could try something if it didn't work let's take a risk if the if we but let's also say Here's the time in which we're going to do this. If it didn't work, because this is what we expected to get out of it, what was the expected outcome? If we didn't get that, let's shift gears and do something different. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not a person who, you know it, it's very important to me that I um, that I do collaborate with my team. I do collaborate with other team other teams, not just my own. And so, You know, I think that ensuring that, you know, I'm going down a path of positivity, a path of encouragement. um, And, you know, when we all make, I have this thing, if you, I don't expect my team to be perfect, therefore, otherwise I'd have to be perfect and I can't live up to that. Right. So, you know, it's, it's really a matter of ensuring that, you know um, I'm educating myself, I'm, I'm over-communicating I have two fundamental philosophies on my team. If I could just narrow it all down, I won't swear, but I will allude to it. The first is no surprises, meaning if we're gonna be behind on, if we're delayed on a project, or if if you think we're gonna be going over budget, just communicate before it happens so we're not scrambling after, right? And the second thing is don't be a jerk. Let's respect one another, right? I have, literally have a no jerk policy. So if you want drama, you are on the wrong team. And I just don't have any patience for that. And we don't, no one deserves that treatment and I won't put up with it.
1: I like that. I like that, those philosophies there. And Heidi, I, I was actually dr- drilling down some of your past positions there. Again, we talked about demand generation, but what drew you to just B2B? It seems like most of the roles there B2B yeah, as well as you know, you've been in technology, sure, uh, in leadership roles in technology B two B. Talk to me about kind of what drew you to technology and B two B.
2: Sure. Well, I think living in the Bay Area, <laughs> that you know, I mean, I actually went to the same high school that Steve Jobs went to. He was quite a bit older, but um, you know, so and back in that, t- it wasn't a thing like it is now, right? Um, and so you know, I you know, I live a mile from Google, and you know, two miles from I could name all the companies right so i think just being immersed in it i think is just and being you know literally a thrown so thrown away um stones throw away sorry hard for me to say that um you know i think just by nature of that i just kind of fell into it candidly um and that's what's predominantly here in the area from a b2b perspective though um as i you know as i was experiencing you know um Success in particular areas. I wanted to also make sure that I'm, you know, as as my career is evolving and as my knowledge is evolving, that you know I could I'm evolving with it. And so as you mentioned, like you know, I came pretty predominantly from cybersecurity and had a passion for that. And um, but when this opportunity with Wright came up, it was just like it felt like just the perfect fit for me. Um, and you know, from a I, I've just not experienced a whole lot of B two B. Or excuse me, B 2 C, and so I think I mean part of it, like early on, maybe was just a comfort zone to be candid, (laughs) because it was what I knew. Um, And then you know, as you know, as I um, learned more about it, as you know, the tech stack became much more and more predominant. um, You know, like with ABM, we've just adopted Sendoso. It allows me to take the knowledge that I've had. Now, here's the one thing I would say. If Anyone is a strong, when someone is a strong marketer, you can market B to B, B to C, B to D. That's business to dog, but he's in the background. Um, so, um, but in all seriousness, I think that, you know, it, it's, it's definitely a different, um, it's, a, it's a different um, way of marketing uh, and one which I just haven't really adopted candidly. Um, I would be open to it, but you know, I feel like where I, I wanted to also stay where I knew I had a good knowledge base and where I was strong.
0: And Heidi, one of our staple questions that we ask every guest. So I'm sure with your title, you attract a lot of messages on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. uh, mostly unsolicited. Mm-hmm. So, so what are some messages that gets you to respond and what are some that really drives you crazy?
2: Um, the response what gets me to respond. So first of all, well, I don't want to start with a negative. So what gets me to respond is when someone recognizes something specific, or or um, communicate something specific about me and my role in my company. So it's there's nothing worse than like something that's so obviously cut and pasted, and you know, and it's just they just replace find and replace with Heidi, right? Um, I think that when you, when a message is sent around business value, um, so, you know, how your fill in the blank, your company, your solution could benefit my role or my team in demand generation, that, that to me is what's really impactful. Um, you know, stats are important. Um, so I'm going to couple this with your second part of your question, which is, um, when people make assumptions, it's really off-putting, right? So, um, meaning it, or they do comparisons of companies where they say, well, we market, or we've helped companies like X, Y, and Z very similar to Reich. And my response is like, none of those companies are Or anything like Reich, so um, and and I've gotten something recent more than once where they would say, you know, hey Heidi, um, being the demand VP of demand gen at company that's not Reich, it's like my former company. I'm like, come on, do some research before because it's just so obvious that they're it. And look. I manage an mdr team so i have a certain level of empathy <laughs> for these so i think my patients even when i get calls i I'm, i try to be a little bit more understanding because i know the grind that that team goes through and it their bust and their tails right so um but i do respond i will res- i mean i think vincent that's how we met perhaps i think was a linkedin message like, yeah. um and um because it was something that i found interesting and so um but yeah. I, and the other thing is what I, I actually do not accept LinkedIn, like a, a it's not a friend request, an actual request, that's Facebook. Um, if I don't know you. So, you know, and I I actually ignore them. I don't, um, I'll, I'll, I'll read a message like an email, but I won't, I won't accept a, a request.
0: Yeah. It's, it's become a real problem. I think I have about 300 unaccepted Things, but and I'm yeah. sure some of them are legit, but sure. it's so hard to go through and figure out which ones are real.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's right. But you know, I actually think that, um, you know, I think there's also a responsibility just professionally to be professional and be respectful, right? Um, so I try to say, you know, hey, sounds interesting, or I'm not interested in explain why, um, because you know, but, but when I have hundreds, it's very difficult to do that. But, you know, I, I definitely, you know, but again, capture the audience, tell me like one thing in one or two bullets or in a, your entry or your, uh, your, um, intro that is going to like capture my attention, attention. Um, because, you know, we're competing with so many other, you know, your companies or your competing with so many other companies that you just lose people, just start ignoring and, and you have to have something that's more impactful
1: mm-hmm. yeah no i i agree and I, I like the and i'm the same way heidi where if someone i'll get back to them and say no i'm not interested and then let's leave it there oh yeah. what do you mean ba- 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 yeah. hey yeah. come on dave come on <laughs> man like you don't know me like that dave like yeah, you that's know, right. like yeah it, we, you haven't
2: built, like you haven't built that that we don't have a relationship like I'm not your friend Mm -hmm. don't call me well hey man or hey dude or like I'm not a surfer well I tried but I'm not very good um (laughs) you know but I think I understand why people they're trying to people are when you try to be too friendly yeah I know it sounds strange but now you're just trying too hard and it's like you know I think you need to be genuine actually that's my that is the bottom line is you have to be genuine
1: yeah no, I agree. I, I know, um, that's why I always always tell people like, what you see with me is what you get. That is, I'm like this 24 hours a day. And if you don't like it, well, that's fine. There's other people who do like me, you know? But no, same way, right? AJ's laughing. It is like, you know me for 10 years. Is this me all the time, AJ? That,
0: that is actually true. That is hundred uh, percent true. That.
1: Yeah, it is hundred percent. It's like, oh, that's fake. Nope, it's hundred percent real. Yeah. It's, uh, it's me my whole life. As we're wrapping up here, Heidi, uh what do you do for fun you said you tried surfing what what's you got the dog there uh you know walk me through what you like to do for fun what you like binge watching stuff
2: yeah I love to cook um I cook dinner I mean I'm home all day every day I think like most people right now but I still cook dinner almost every single night um I actually am a pescatarian so I've learned new you know different so futa damari is perfect right um Beautiful. so uh i i really love to travel and look forward to being able to do that again one day and um i have to say my newest uh, obsession is um peloton <laughs> um i got one well i and i've always been active and not being able to go to the gym at least in california you know a lot of things were closed and then open unfortunately um, being in california we can be outside and hike, pretty much year round. Right. So I'm very fortunate with that. Um, but there is a, you know, th- there is something to be said about like, you know, being able to w- wake up at like six or six 30 and do a rollout and just jump on the bike. And so it's actually been really good for me. It, it just, um, it really enables me to kind of ground myself. And I think it's, you know, I know you said for fun and I enjoy it. I think it's actually fun and it's, it's just a good, good relief, stress relief. So, but yeah, cooking, hang out with the dog. It's, uh, you know, I, I, in, in light of everything going on, I, I definitely feel incredibly fortunate for, um, you know, f- for what I do have.
1: That's amazing, Heidi. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us, sharing your role and the capabilities of Reich. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Heidi Serenzia. Check out Reich.com. W-R-I-K-E. That is Heidi. The VP of Demand Generation at Reich. I am Vincent Petrofessa. That is Aj Gupta. This has been another episode of the Marketing Stir, the final recorded episode of 2020. We appreciate you listening. Happy holidays, everyone. Thank you so much. Have a great day.
0: Thanks for listening to the Marketing Stir podcast by Stirista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast,
2: email us at info at themarketingstir.com. Thanks for listening.